0: You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Hello, am I on? Great. I was warned very seriously to sanitize before I touched the mic, so. Good morning church. Welcome again to today's service. It's my utmost privilege and joy to take today's message um let's say a little prayer father lord we thank you for today we thank you for service this morning we thank you because you've already moved so powerfully this morning we ask father lord that for each and everybody present and watching online that you will speak a word you speak a word in season father lord that will meet them at their point of need and remind them just how much you love them and all that you've done for them in jesus name we've prayed amen Okay, so if you've been watching uh, services or attending services uh, this month of February, you'll know that our theme has been around love and connection. And I'm going to be continuing that theme and rounding it up. And I'm going to park it, hopefully. Um, and sort of tie everything together. I'm going to speak on what we've titled Apostle, of connection, and that will make, someone said, whoo, already excited, great, okay, (laughs) and that will make a lot more sense um, at the end of the message when we tie it all together. And to prepare us for that, I want to share a short story which uh, someone sent to me, and I read again in a devotion two days ago, so I thought, okay, definitely this will be a nice one to frame the message. And it's a very short story. It's about a very old man um, who lived in a village. The story is simply called, What's It Like in Your Neighborhood? So this very old man lived uh, in a village uh, with his granddaughter. And ever so often, they would come out and sit by the petrol station and sort of watch people go by and... They received quite a few tourists, and they would see the tourists, and they were, you know, looking at houses. And it seemed like he was considering perhaps moving there. So the gentleman approached the very old man and said, "Uh, hi, hello. I'd like to know what it's like in your neighborhood. The very old man looked at him and said, you tell me first how it's like in the neighborhood you've come from. And the man said, oh wow, it's a terrible neighborhood. The people are wicked. They don't talk to each other. They are not friendly. They don't give, wicked people. And the very old man said, okay, interesting because in my neighborhood, the people are exactly the same, wicked people. They don't share, they don't give, nothing, just unfriendly bunch of people. And the gentleman said, okay, thank you, and walked off. A few minutes later, Another gentleman approached the very old man, similar situation, he sort of looked like he had been scouting the neighborhood and he asked the old man, hello, um, what's it like in your neighborhood? And the old man looked at him again and said, why don't you tell me first what it's like in your neighborhood where you're coming from? This time the man said, it's a lovely neighborhood. The people are friendly, very giving, very caring. We're like one big happy family. The the old man paused and looked at him and said, "Okay, it's exactly the same in my neighborhood. The people are friendly. They are loving, caring. We share everything. We're like one big family. And the gentleman said, great, Okay. thank you, and left. So his granddaughter, who had sat and watched these two people come, looked at him and said, "Ah, Grandpa, You've just said two completely different things to two people. Why would you do that about the neighborhood? And her grandfather looked at her and said, no matter where you go, you take your attitude with you. And that is what determines whether the place will be terrible or wonderful. And so the point really that I want us to start considering and have at the back of your mind as I go into the message is, what are your attitudes You know What attitudes are there that perhaps you need to be mindful of, that we need to be mindful of as we go into our next season that we're carrying with us from previous seasons or previous experiences? As we go deeper, I'd like us to read from 2 Kings chapter 4, and we'll start from verse 1 all the way to verse 7 in the New King James Version, and we can read it together. It should come up now. Great. Okay, so it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. I'll read that again. He said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, You shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons live on the rest. Amen? Now, if we look at that uh, story, that account, I'm sure quite a few of us have heard it before. And the first thing that always jumps out is amazing miracle, you know, Oil. She had just a little jar of oil in her words, but when she started pouring it out into vessels that she had borrowed, the oil just kept on flowing, 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 and the only time it stopped was when she ran out of vessels. I want to look at this scripture from another dimension this morning, and that's the fact that she needed relationships to leverage on in order to borrow vessels from So, definitely, if she didn't have vessels, there would be no oil. I mean, we saw that when the vessels finished, the oil stopped flowing. If she did not have neighbors, who would answer her when she asked for vessels? There would be no miracle. Certainly not in that manner. And so, we begin to see how critical our connections and our relationships can be, even in manifesting things that God has for us, in in bringing to pass uh, our testimonies. And if you think about the fact that the neighbors had vessels to borrow her, but the point, the reason she needed those vessels, the reason she cried out to the prophet was, look, they've taken my sons. I'm in debt. My husband died. There's all these. Her neighbors did not have the uh, connections or, you know, sort of related to the IG or anybody that she could say, look, can you call your cousin? Let them, you know, talk to them so they won't take my sons. It didn't, that didn't come out to us in a story. But what they had, vessels, they had that they could give it to her. And that takes me back to the point that uh, PTA made last week when he was uh, preaching, when he was sharing the word. And he said, it's not only about the obvious people, about the obvious connections. It's about understanding that everybody has something they carry that can be a blessing to you. It's about valuing people and looking at them from the eyes of God and really holding that dearly and respecting that. So the point we want to make is about multiplying relationships. For the widow, the relationships that she was able to relay on that were able to multiply these blessings were from her neighborhood, her neighbors. Oftentimes in our lives, we will have relationships that God is going to use to exponentially increase us. Potentially, they have that potential if we will let God. There will be battles in life that will require us to band together as a group with our connections in order to win. And it is key that we are able to recognize these relationships and that we don't misuse or abuse them. Some of these multiplying relationships, as I call them, are healing relationships, strengthening relationships, amplifying relationships, safety relationships, and accountability relationships. And I'll share a few examples as I go on. These relationships, they help us to gain speed in life and destiny. We all need multiplying relationships. And guess what? It works both ways. So we need to be multipliers in the lives of people So for the widow, her neighbors were her multipliers. Those were the multiplying relationships in her life. But we also need to be multipliers to other people. So in this context, her neighbors, they were the multipliers. They allowed themselves to be used by God, by allowing her to borrow vessels. If we go back to that context, I mean, this is a widow. She had lost her husband. And in those times, really, the husband typically was the breadwinner. So not only was she in debt, she obviously had no real high-level connections, right? And she had come now to borrow vessels. Some neighbors would have said, I should borrow your vessels. How will you give it back to me? What if you send it? You know, what if you sell it to make money? What if You know, she really wasn't the definition of a credit-worthy um, person in those terms. But they looked behind or past all that and they took the risk, and they borrowed her the vessels. She was able to leverage on the relationships she had with them. That is the blessing of multiplying relationships. Now, I know that we've all probably heard uh, stories of people that will say, self-made, nobody helped me. I run solo. I do my thing by myself. I'm a bad guy. Fine. But if you dig deeper in a lot of stories, you'll find that, there were people at certain points that God had used to help other people get to where they are or move from one position to the other at different times in their lives and usually culminate in where they are now. To further expatiate on that, there's another scripture I'd like us to look at. It's a very interesting one, it's in Joshua chapter 17, verse 13. And while we're turning to that, if you have your Bibles or anything with you, turn to that. Um, okay, that's the beginning. If you first of all scroll to 18. 18. Mm. That's not the scripture I'm looking for. Okay. Uh, okay, 17 8. Yes. 17, 8, verse 13 is what I want to see. Joshua 17, verse 8. Thank you. Is anyone else there? Seventeen, eight. 8. Uh-huh. Aha. So if you go to verse, aha, uh-huh, now we're on 17, great. Now please go to verse 13. 13, perfect. No, <laughs> what's happening? Joshua chapter 17, verse... Ah, The devil is a liar. This scripture must come out today. Joshua chapter 17. Okay, let me check it from where I saved it. It might be easier for us all. It is... Joshua, Uh, okay, I apologize, the mistake is from me, it's Exodus, Exodus is what I want to say, Exodus chapter 17, then we go to verse 13, it's about Joshua, that's why Joshua came to my mind, okay, perfect. So if you look at this scripture, it simply says, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, when you read that scripture, what comes to you? Joshua defeated the Amaleks. It doesn't give you any background. It doesn't say anything. In coming to 2020, 2021, for instance, you would tweet this. If you were Joshua, if I was Joshua, certainly, I would tweet this. I would put it on my Facebook. I will put it on my Instagram. You know, I could then be one of the people that will say, yes, I did this. I defeated the Amalek's. I could start a masterclass on teaching people how to defeat the Amalek's because I've done it. I can claim that I'm self-made, you know, because this is all you know. All you know is that I defeated the Amalek's. But if we go to the beginning of this chapter, so if we go to verse eight, for instance, With Israel in Rephidim. Next verse. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So basically what's happening here is that Moses, Aaron, and her were standing on a mountain, praying, holding up Joshua while he was fighting. And the Bible says that every time they held up their hand, every time Moses held up his hand, Joshua was winning. Every time they let down their hand, the Amaleks were winning. Next verse. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Aha, now we are back to 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So if we look at the context, you can see that that victory... That's recorded in verse 13. It didn't come by Joshua alone. Joshua had Moses, Aaron, and her that were fighting for him in the back, that were holding up their hands, supporting him. Joshua was victorious by association. And it's clear to us that if he didn't have that, possibly the Amalekites could have won that battle. And it's the same today. There are battles where we will need associations to be victorious in. And God will put those people around us. Our role is to connect. I'm going to use another example. um, Because while I was preparing this message, I tried to think back over my life and sort of highlight times when, you know, I had seen this happen in real life. I had seen God use other people to move me to uh, my next season. I remember 11 years ago, you know, I was a young lawyer. I just started work. I literally just started a really, really great job, and I was about a week in. And I was single. I wasn't married. Um, and when I started that role, my, a very good friend of mine, a family friend actually, uh, already had a wedding around that time. He had planned to get married in another town, in another country. And um, I wasn't sure I'd be able to make it because of the new role and again, I was sort of thinking, mm, it's a bit expensive. I just started a new job. Should I go? Should I start asking for two days off when I just started? So that was the dilemma I was facing. Anyway, um, so I happened to have this connection in my life. With, uh, like a mentor. He's more like a mentor to me in spiritual things, in prayer. And, and just an all-around awesome friend. So he had called me because he happened to be mutual friends with the groom and the groom's father. So he had called me like a week before the wedding and asked me, are you going for the wedding? So I explained the dilemma to him. I said, look, I just added a new role. I'm not sure they'll give me time off. And, you know, I'm just not sure that is an investment I should make at this time. And he said, "Ah, well, you said they're like family friends to you. I said, they are. So my parents will probably go, but I don't know if I can make it. So he said to me, you know what? I really think you should go for this wedding. I will buy your tickets, and if you are able to get the time off, come. So ask your work. If they allow you you the time off, I will pay for your ticket to this trip. The country was quite far from Nigeria. I'll just put it that way. So I said, okay, great offer. I went to my office, and they agreed to give me a few days off. Very, very interestingly, that wedding is where I met... My now husband. <laughs> Someone <also>, said, You see, it's <laughs> where we connected, you know, and became apostles of connection. Amen. And, you know, it's interesting, but because I probably have never shared this with this, my one that I'm talking about. But it's with hindsight that you look back and you just thank God for those connections. For some reason, He just felt that you should be there. And, 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 and God was able to, to work through him in my life. The other example I have is more recently. Uh, so the current role I'm at, it's, it's a role I'm very happy in. I like the company, I like the job, and I'm happy with the perks. But how did I get it? I was at a time in my life where I was getting restless at work. I knew that there was something else for me to do, but I wasn't sure what. So I just started applying, I started searching online. Any role I felt like was, you know, nice or bigger or so, I would apply. And it was so interesting. Like, I would get interviews, I would get to the final stage and not go through. Or another one, I got to the final stage and then the company froze hiring. So they said to me, look, we want you, we like you, but there's been a freeze on hiring, so just wait, just, they paused me. I should pause and wait, they'll get back to me sometime. So I said, God, are you trying to tell me to stay where I am? But, so what's this restlessness? So I left it. I, you know, I told my husband, I'm going to take a few weeks off applying and interviewing. I'll just leave it for now. Randomly on a Sunday, I was at home and a friend of mine who attends LifePoint actually sent me a message and said, oh, this company is hiring lawyers and you came to mind. And I thought, oh, okay, well, let me just apply. Literally, you know all those applications you do in 10 minutes. Let me just send my CV because I'm on a break right now. But I saw the role and I liked it. I said, let me send it. Two days later, they called me. The rest is history. The full round of interviews. And by God's grace, I got it. In fact, I didn't even go back to my friend until the final round. And I called him. I said, by the way, I'm interviewing for final round. In that opportunity, you sent me. He was like, what? I said, yes. He said, so random that I saw it, someone sent it to me, I'm not a lawyer, and I thought, okay, which lawyers do I have in my life? Ah, Dami and he sent it to me. And again, just sort of showing how God would use your connections and your relationships and those around you, the people he has placed around you in bringing to pass, to show love to others and to bless them. So in some situations, we will be the beneficiaries, but in other situations, we will be the initiators, we will be the ones that God is using to bless others. And it's the same thing. The same way we're open, we're posturing to be open, to receive from connections, we should actively open our eyes and search inwardly to see how we can bless those around us. Because guess what? Everybody has something that they can use to bless the people around them. Everybody. Everybody has something they can use to bless someone. Um, There is always, always a blessing, always a blessing that you can give to someone else. Now, this can be different. Um, It can be through your victory stories. It could be through your defeat stories. It could be through your resources, financial resources. It could be by virtue of a position you currently occupy that you can use to bless someone else. The key point is don't count yourself out or underestimate what you have. The widow in the scripture we read when the prophet asked her, what do you have in your house? She said, a small jar of oil. But at the end of the day, that small jar of oil in the hand of God is vessels, vessels, as many vessels as you can gather. If she brought a billion vessels, he will fill it up. That's God. So don't underestimate what you have. Don't say it's too small. Nobody can benefit from it. Nobody can be blessed from it. Um, There are many people who need the blessings of God in their lives, and you, you have the power to do something about it. You know, on Victory Stories, again, as I was meditating on this message, um, I have a very interesting journey to motherhood. By God's grace, I have two children, and I've shared that as a God experience here before. But I cannot tell you the number of people that call me and reach out to me and say, they are waiting on kids. They're trying to have kids. They're considering this option. They heard that I did this. You know, would I pray with them? Would I strengthen them? Would I share my story with them? And it's the joy of my life to share it because I know that God took me through it so that I could be a blessing to many. And that realization actually strengthened me while I was going through it. And I use it now as often as I have the opportunity to, to, to be a strengthener and an encourager to as many as I can. The other one that came to my mind is a more recent story. Um, I don't know if any. It's, it's a defeat story. It's an example of using a story of perceived dis- defeat to bless others. So there's a lady called Cheryl Sandberg. She is the current Chief Operating Officer of uh, a company called Facebook. You might have heard of it. Um, so Cheryl, in a few years ago, in a very tragic incident, lost her husband, and. After she lost her husband, she wrote a book called Option B. And literally, the book was about um, using, finding, finding strength in the face of tragedy, in the face of deep loss, like what she did. And there's so many stories of how that book has blessed people. More recently, in fact, she's now started a whole community called Option B. And on that platform, they share stories of hardship, loss tragedy, and how they overcame it, and is to build strength for others to follow. Recently, good news, I think last year or so, she found love again, and she's currently engaged. And a few days ago, she wrote an open letter to her fiancé. And again, yet another whole group of people are drawing strength from that, you know, to, 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 to know that they can find love again when they've been in a situation of, of deep loss, I said all that to say, don't count out anything in your life. God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste any story. He doesn't waste anything. Um, There's a popular scripture, it's in Proverbs 29 18. And it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But I put it to you today that where there are no people, the vision cannot move, (laughs) your vision cannot go anywhere. You need people. Um a vision needs people as much as people need a vision. When God wants to bless you or channel his power through you, he will either send you to people or he will send people to you. He'll send someone or people to you. And so God is always seeking to connect us for purpose. Finally, as I begin to round up this message, I'm conscious of time. Um There are three points I want to really highlight. The first is this. Be kind to your neighbors. Your neighbors are the relationships around you, the connections, the people God has put around you. God will have you persist in showing mercy. That's his will. To show his heart, to show his love to everybody around you. To be an extension of his heart, his voice, his eyes, his ears to all the people around you so that the person will realize God's goodness and mercy and eventually come to the saving knowledge of God. The second point is, don't disconnect from a relationship that God wants to use to bless you just because they cannot bless you in the way that you want them to bless you. Let me say that again. Don't disconnect from a relationship that God wants to use to bless you just because they cannot bless you in the way that you want them to. So sometimes we all get into the trap of sizing people up. This is what you expect from somebody. And if they are not able to deliver on that, you just sort of put them in Z. Or I don't know what they... Cancel cancel culture. Yeah, okay. So you cancel them. What this is saying is, um, don't do that. That's not of God. Develop the habit of seeing... God in everybody and understanding that everybody has a potential not just to bless you but for you to be a blessing to them finally know that God has invested all sorts of treasures in the people around you far more than you can see far more than you know some of it will only be clearer in hindsight you won't you won't see it now while it's happening you may not even see it it's much later when things are winding down that it begins to make sense uh, there's a scripture I'd like you to put up. It's in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Chapter 4, verse 7 in the NKJV. It's a simple one of God and not of us. No, just 7 is okay. But can you also put it up in the New Living Translation? I really like how it breaks it down. So 4, 7, New Living Translation. Thank you. So it says... We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So this light, this light shining in us, we all have it and it was put there by God. And God's charge to us is to go out there and let it shine, let it shine to all those around us. You know, we have a charge um, and it's very well um, summarized in John. First John chapter 4, I believe. First John chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. It's a divine mandate to show love, the love of God to everybody around us. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, And knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So we are charged to show love to all around us. And how do we do this? We can't do it from a place of disconnection. It's from a place of connection. That is how we have the opportunity to be God's hands and feet and ears and eyes and his heart and his voice. That is how we have the opportunity to let the love of God flow from us to all those around us. Now, I'm going to round up by giving us some action points. But before I do that, there are three action points, and I've called it the Apostles' Checklist. But before I do that, I also want to quickly recognize that there will be some people here, some of us here, who feel like, look, I have been an apostle of connection in the past. I've shown love. I've put myself out there to be a blessing. And... Certain people have abused that relationship, they've misused it, and it's come back to hit me in the face. And now I'm closed. I don't talk to anybody I've not known for eight years. You know, I I, I just mind myself, you know. And it's, it's, it's fair enough to protect yourself. My encouragement for you today is this. You may not reap where you sow, but if you choose to sow, you will definitely reap. So fix your eyes on God. He is the one that's the author and finisher of your faith. And God owes no man. If you reap love, you will sow love. And I pray even now for you that the healing balm of God will touch your heart and help you to move past every hurt that you might have experienced. In Jesus' name. So let me give you my apostles' checklist. And you might want to take this down. Three things. The first is, identify what you have that others can benefit from. What do you have that others can benefit from? We've made many examples. We've said things you've overcome or learned that can help other people. It could be a position you currently occupy or in the past, Uh, like an Esther, for instance. Esther was in the palace for such a time as this. She used that position to help her people. Um, It could be resources that you have that you can share with others. It could be financial, but doesn't have to be. It can also be sharing things that you no longer have, that you no longer use, so you have a lot of things and you don't use it anymore. Who can it be a blessing to? Once you've identified the list of things that you can use to bless others, identify the people who can benefit from it. So is it students? Is it uh, neighbors? Is it, you know, think about the people group that are most likely to benefit from what you have to bless. finally, Take action. Keep a journal and record it. Make that note. Do it. Make sure you do it. And God will surely bless you. In Jesus' name. Okay. I have assignments. Yes. (laughs) This week, identify two people. Just two. Or people groups. That can directly benefit from something you have and be intentional about being a multiplier to them. That's the assignment from today's message. Two people or people groups who can directly benefit from what you have and be, intentionally, uh, be intentional about being a multiplier in their lives. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. Before I go, I just have one more quick thing to do. The most important of it all. If you've listened to this message and you've heard about the connector, the love of God that we want to use to flow through us to others, the multiplying effect of the Holy Spirit, but you're saying you don't know this God, you don't have that connection, and you want to rekindle that connection. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate, ultimate multiplier in relationships, and it all starts with making a decision to walk with him, to let him be your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask that we all close our eyes, heads bowed. And if there's anyone here who is thinking and has thought about it and, and says, look, you know what? I want God to be my father. I want him to be my Savior. I want him to be the connector in my life. I want his blessings to flow through me. I want him to open my eyes to see the value that he's placed in me, that I may share this love with others. I want you to just raise up your hand very quickly, and I'll say a short prayer with you. All eyes closed, just raise up your hand, and we'll say a short prayer with you. Okay, so if you'd like to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I know that you have the power to save You have the power to restore me to every value that you have placed inside me. I ask today that you will forgive all my sins. Make me your son or daughter. Cleanse me with your blood, with the blood of Jesus, and make me whole again. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Thank you for making me your child. I will live for you forever.